Hello, everyone, and welcome to another installment of Podcast 360, your go-to resource for medical news and clinical updates. I'm your moderator, Jessica Bard, with Consultant 360 Specialty Network. Uterine fibroids are the most common benign tumors in women of childbearing age. Regina Golder is here to speak with us about the cause, the symptoms, and the risk factors associated with uterine fibroids. Regina is a nurse practitioner at Methodist Medical Group in Atoka, Tennessee. Thank you for joining us on the podcast today. What are uterine fibroids and are there different types? Sure. So uterine fibroids are, they're typically non-cancerous. I will start with that, but they're muscular tumors of the uterus. Medically, we call them leomyomas at times. You can get single fibroids, you can get multiple fibroids, and they range in sizes from seedlings all the way up to ones that may enlarge or distort the uterus. Uh, We do classify them in different types. One would be an intramural fibroid, and that's within the muscular wall of the uterus. Another type would be submucosal. These are typically more common, and they bulge into the uterine cavity, so we can see them better on the ultrasound. And then you have subserosal ones that project outside the uterus. They're not quite as common. And then the last type, which are hardly ever seen, are pedunculated fibroids. As I say, they're very uncommon, and they grow outside the uterus. So we use the ultrasound to detect the different types of fibroids and that guides treatment plan. How common are uterine fibroids in the United States? They actually are very common, but they're not always symptomatic. A lot of women remain asymptomatic. So when we get into the range of how common are they, we have a big percentage, like 40 to 80% of women will develop these before 50. And we ask, how is it such a big percentage? But it's because we don't always know because Women are not always symptomatic with them, but they're a lot more common than you would ever think for sure. What causes uterine fibroids? Well, we don't really know, to be honest, but research points more towards genetic changes and hormones, that we know they're linked to hormones. An increase in estrogen and progesterone in particular um, is, and this is why we usually get more uterine fibroids before the age of 50, because with menopause, our progesterone and estrogen decrease, which causes fibroids to shrink. So with decreased hormone production, we have less fibroids. So we know they're related to the hormones, but we don't really know what causes them. Now, I will say, which we'll probably get into this later, a risk factor is genetics. So if we have family history, you're going to be more likely to have the uterine fibroids. Yeah, that's a great segue into the next question. I was going to talk about risk factors. In addition to genetics, what are risk factors that are associated with uterine fibroids? So to go back with genetics, I do want to pinpoint that a woman is three times more likely to have uterine fibroids if her mother did. So that's a huge risk factor in itself. But of course, our most common risk factor is age, 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 women of reproductive age, are the most likely to have them anywhere from 30 to about 50. But once again, that goes back with hormone production. When they start decreasing hormone production, we just don't see them as often. And we don't see them as much in early reproductive age either. Your most common are going to be your 30 to 40-year-olds. Another risk factor is race. So African-American women are more likely to have fibroids than Caucasian women. Also, of note, African-American women are actually more likely to have severe problems from the fibroids over Caucasian women. So that's just an extra note of risk factors. Lastly, I usually like to preach about obesity because 
you're two to three times more likely to develop uterine fibroids in the obese population with a BMI of 40 plus. I know that we touched on symptoms a little bit before, but what are the clinical features of uterine fibroids and might patients present with symptoms? Yeah, many are many have no symptoms. As we talked about earlier, they come in asymptomatic, but if they do come in with symptoms, the most common symptom you're going to see is menorrhagia, and this leads to anemia. So you may get somebody complaining of menorrhagia and fatigue, which would make you want to draw an anemia panel, and then it'll all kind of play out as to why they're having the fatigue long cycles, pelvic pressure pain, low back pain. Some people will complain of that. Occasionally you'll get some constipation. That's not very common. You'll see a lot of painful intercourse. They'll come in complaining of painful intercourse. And in my field, that's what I see now in the gynecologist realm. They may see more of the pregnancy complications and reproductive problems like fertility. But usually when that comes out, it's not in a primary care setting. It's more when they've been referred to a specialist. But in primary care, we're definitely going to see the menorrhagia, the painful intercourse, and the pelvic pain. Is there anything else that you'd like to add in regards to just an overview of uterine fibroids? No, I don't guess. It's mainly in the primary care realm. We want to do our best on education. Education about what the risk factors are, when to be seen. Don't let this prolonged menorrhagia happen for three to four months before you're seen. Also, education with the older population, although they're typically non-cancerous, when these uterine fibroids develop at that age group of around 50, that's when we're more concerned about the cancerous fibroids. So it's education in primary care about when to seek help, when to ask questions, when to come in and make sure your blood counts are okay. Well, thank you so much for joining us today on the podcast. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely.